I want to start today by saying thanks for all the great input and topic requests you've sent our way as suggestions for the podcast. Almost to a person, you've said you would like more content regarding e-closings and the state of the e-signing world in the pandemic and beyond. I thought we would cover some foundations today with a bit of a primer in that area with our guest, Jeb Hart, who is the Director of Strategic Partnerships for Sinex Digital Signatures. They are a company who aids in the closing process with a cloud-based platform that allows for digital signatures on any device with no special app or download required. Jeb cultivates relationships with potential partner companies and manages their integration process. He has put his degree in business administration and management to good use as he focuses his career on developing relationships to help everyone do business together better. So in this conversation, we'll let you in on some behind the scenes factors that you might not be as familiar or comfortable with. We attempt to demystify some of it. When it comes to e-closings, digital closings, and electronic notarization, there is much to consider. So we talked through some important concepts like what is metadata and why is it important? We hope by hearing this discussion of some key concepts, you might feel a bit more confident in assessing the landscape as you chart your path. Jeb paints a picture of what the pandemic has meant for the evolution of e-closing offerings, consumer demand, stakeholder acceptance, and the ever-changing regulatory landscape. We consider the question of whether e-closings are more ripe for fraud, or are there some ways in which e-closing might actually prove more defensible than a paper closing? It's true that parts of this episode might feel a bit deeply nerdy, and that might make you begin to itch a little bit, and that's okay, because this is very new stuff. But I think you'll find, as we talk about this more, your comfort level will increase, which will help you take steps into the space a bit more confidently. We don't stay down in the weeds of nerdy stuff. We also talk about ways to maintain the traditional ceremony and celebration that you make a special part of your closings on paper today, bringing those into the structure of a full or partially electronically signed closing. We touch on other practical considerations like understanding your underwriter's position on e-closing and investigating your E&O coverage in this realm too. We'll bring you more episodes on this hot topic in today's marketplace, but for now, please enjoy my conversation with Jeb Hart. Well, welcome to the podcast, Jeb. We're really thrilled to have you here. Absolutely. Obviously, with the pandemic, that has changed a lot. The light that we are looking at and experiencing some electronic and digital aspects of closing that I think everybody knew was somewhere on the time horizon. But I think people thought it was a lot further out. I think they thought that the demand for services incorporated into the traditional closing process still at this point pretty small. Let's talk a little bit. There is a difference between a digital closing and electronic closing. So if we could go into that and talk about some of those differences. Absolutely. So first, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time. And it is something in the the time we're living in that has become a lot more prevalent. And it's something that a lot of people are talking about. Obviously, the uptick in utilization across the board has been huge, but it's something that people have a general understanding of, but not an in-depth understanding, and that can cause some confusion. The company I work with, uh, Sinex, has been around for uh, over 20 years, and we are a PKI-based digital signature. And where that distinction matters is in, in multiple ways it matters as far as the end product you get, but specifically to RON legislation is that for every RON closing that you do, you're going to have to have a digital certificate embedded in that document. And the reason that that's important. And that's what you know. Every uh, state legislation is required, is because it's an individual fingerprint. 
that's going to be embedded in that document that you can have offline. And so you can use it as long-term validation for that document regardless, because obviously something that's notarized, you're going to want to have as much evidence as you possibly can that it's a real thing. A digital signature is something that is going to be embedded into the PDF and available offline. So you'll be able to download that document and what you keep on your server, your PC, your cloud, whatever it may be, when you click on that PDF offline, it's going to have that metadata embedded in it. And that's a really important distinction because it's a standards-based platform. So it's, you know, it uses an ISO standard. So regardless of where you are in the world, if you have somebody who's familiar with the cryptography of it all, they'll be able to you know ascertain who signed it, where they signed it, and that sort of thing. And you, if there's intent there, if that's captured, you can have that as well. So a standard electronic signature is based off of an incredibly broad idea and a very, very general assessment. Because so technically you can give a electronic signature via telegraph or over the phone or any of that. So there's, it's not a standards based thing at all. It's just an idea of generally trying to capture intent. So you can throw a blanket over electronic signature and think that it's enough when in actuality you're not getting nearly as much as you need to both be compliant, but also not enough for you to feel safe doing it. So it's important to know that distinction as to what it is that you're getting into and how you're doing it. And also why people are asking you at every state level, if you have a digital certificate for your digital notary commission. So it's some insurance baked into the process to have that metadata. So obviously the states are requiring that. Talk about how the lenders are inquiring or not yet about that aspect of it. So the lenders and underwriters and whoever it may be, they all have, you know, internal underwriting practices that they write. And a lot of times those aren't necessarily completely in line with state legislation. They have higher thresholds and it's something that has been an ever moving goal line because things are going from emergency proclamations to legislated laws and they make tweaks and different states have different requirements. So knowing what lender requires, what, what your state requires, all that sort of stuff is something that is something that you need to always keep your finger on the pulse of, or at least have a vendor that you trust well enough to make sure that they uh, are both keeping you in an account that is adherent to the state laws, but also keeping you abreast of any changes in your industry. So since different lenders sort of have their different thresholds, which may or may not be in sync with the state requirements of the day, are you seeing the lenders continually updating their closing instructions or how does an agent know what threshold any given lender might have at any given time? So the vast majority would have an approved vendor list. So that's the easiest way for an agent to be able to know that. There's some that don't and they just say they'll have on their website or in their underwriting guidelines, these are the minimum thresholds you have to meet. But we are the ones, the boots on the ground, making sure that those changes are met and that they're okay with whatever it is that's happening. And they run through that sort of uh, SIG approval and technology. That sounds fair. Well, Ron, Remote Online Notarizing and e-signing has certainly evolved through this COVID situation. And as that continues on, we are seeing more and more activity. So let's back up a little bit and talk about what the state of things was before COVID, just for people who have been on the outside a little bit looking in. Let's recap and say where it was, and then let's move through 
how things have evolved during the pandemic. It's something that you know, in the industry has always kind of all thought, this makes total sense, we should all do this, but it became one of those, whether it be at the state level, at the underwriter level, at the lender level, at the title agency level, whatever, nobody wanted to be first, everybody wanted to be second. So in 2017, there was only four states that had Ron legislation on the books. And at the start of 2020, there was just a handful because of the pandemic and the complete change in the way we do business. That number is now 45 states have it, whether it be either completely passed legislation, emergency declarations, temporary laws, whatever it may be, all trending towards that. And then in the five states that don't have it, and then Puerto Rico as well, there's pending legislation either on the floor, in the works, uh, whatever it may be, as well as a bill at the federal level. So, but in the year 2020, the utilization of remote online notarization has gone up over 700%. And that's just off of rough estimates. It could be more. Obviously, that has a lot to do with just every state doing it. But even without the necessity of a global pandemic, the utilization and reason for it being there is inherent in that you live in places where you don't want to have to drive 45 minutes to have somebody stamp something. You're traveling. You're, I mean, even during the pandemic, there's been tons of people who are living living abroad or they moved away because they didn't want to live in a city during the pandemic. And that's something that's been dealt with for a long time. And it's always been handled with mobile notaries. Now you have the ability to do it over the computer with a webcam and knock that out significantly quicker at a much cheaper cost. And then the paperwork you get on the back end is much more digestible across the board. So it's something that is currently still evolving. Ideally, there'll be a federal overarching guidelines since there were states that had emergency proclamations that have now since turned into law, making sure that you're up to date and well-versed on what's going on is important for something as new and ever-changing as remote online notarization is. Mm -hmm. So let's zero in on those secretaries of state. What areas of concern did they have a year and a half ago that were raising flags or slowing down the process that they have now been able to overcome to make their comfort level higher than it was? General acceptance and normalcy, I would think, is the biggest one because everything can make total sense on paper and in practical day-to-day -day use. But when it comes to you know, government institutions, nobody wants to really stick their neck out for something they don't know. It was something that they didn't feel that they were really overly pressured to push through. You know, It's been proven significantly that the actual security behind a remote online notarization is a lot more than an in-person notarization. Because traditionally, when I commit crimes, you don't like to do it on camera with the picture of your ID also held on the record and the IP address of your computer there. I mean, I'm not a mastermind criminal, but it does seem like step one. It's vetting of the technology and general comfortability with it. Because with anything new that happens in any market, there's trepidation to start with about doing something new. And then there's lots of levels to it. Because, you know, at the very beginning, there was the question of lender acceptance. And, you know, as we had discussed before, internal underwriting guidelines, some of those have been made in the past 12 months. So they didn't have internal underwriting guidelines for remote online notarization prior to this because they didn't feel that it was something that they should really 
really prioritize. It's something that was talked about, put on the back burner. And so if they were to try to intake a remotely notarized document, they wouldn't really have the internal guidelines to do it. And now that it's become so commonplace, everybody within the industry is familiar with it, has their own internal protocols. It's just been much more normalized, accepted and understood. Well, and I love that you talk about the importance of that forensic information, including the video, including the IP address, all of those things. One of the things that I heard about early on that especially lenders were resistant to this concept was, well, we think it's less safe, less secure, and it hadn't been litigated. So there was not a prevalent need to take that risk. But when you really explain it with this metadata that's involved, it actually in many ways makes it more secure and more enforceable, say, for example, for a note, because to your point, a couple of things. One, if you were going to commit fraud in a closing, you walked in, you did the closing, you walked out the door, and it was very, very easy to disappear. Second of all, and we saw certainly a lot of this in 2008, we saw a lot of borrowers say, that's not my signature on that note. And it was very, very difficult to prove that by having these additional pieces in, it sounds like you're saying these are actually more secure than many traditional in-person closings. Absolutely. The vast majority of our business is via our APIs. We're integrated into a ton of things that you use probably every day. We do over a million signatures in real estate a day. I had this idea of what signatures were, how they were validated. You know, if something went to court, how would it be held up? And you, know, you watch any sort of law and order, you assume that somebody comes in with some handwriting expert with a magnifying glass and says, oh, that's that's actually not right because you went up here or not. I, for one, don't write my signature the same ever. It's ridiculous. So that's what we've just come to accept in society as a intent to sign validation. And that's enough. If you go to court with that, it's it's very tough to disprove, as you're, as you're saying. But it's also where the other issues come up is the provenance of the document start to finish is very difficult to say. So if I went through and signed a document, 100% signed it, but someone added a page in there that wasn't there when I signed it, it's definitely my signature, but I didn't know that that part was there or someone changed it from 4% to 14%, whatever it may be. The full track record of provenance, the document is nothing. It's kind of an agreed upon. We all see this. I say I signed it. You say you signed it. And that's not what it is. What Sinex does and our digital certificates are embedded. So, you know, obviously the IP address, but in ours, it's important to note is that we're a digital signature at our core, meaning that every signature has a digital certificate associated with it. Every initial, every change is tracked. So every time there's a change made to a document and a signature is applied, we take something called a cryptograph hash, which is basically a screenshot of the document. So in the situation we're talking about where I said, you know, I absolutely signed this, but when I signed it, it said seven, now it's 17. I did not agree to that. And instead of going to court, you can just right click on that PDF and say view signed version. And you can see exactly what that document looked like the moment that that signature was applied to it. And then in addition to all of the metadata that's embedded, you know, IP address, how they were credentialed, I can see if they passed the first time they went through KBA or if they failed. I can see how long it took. All of that information is accompanying to it, as well as a video of the signing ceremony, all the information in an e-notary journal, and all of that's packaged together to create a significantly more robust and non-reputable audit trail and series of evidence than I'm a notary. It was totally that guy whose ID it was that came in here. That's exactly right. I was thinking as you were saying that at the closing table, I notarized 
thousands of people. I did not put them through KBA. They had an ID and it looked like that. And the signature that they were signing on their documents looked like the signature on that ID. I was notarizing them. Yes, of course, I was giving them the oath, but I had no ability to verify their identity beyond that. So putting folks through these cases that are digitally available to them actually does give a lot more credibility to that notary in applying that seal. I like to ask folks about their objections to things. And I did have one title agent say to me, well, yes, but if I'm doing remote closing, I can't see what's going on in the room with the borrower or the seller. How do I know that somebody's not sitting right off screen holding a gun to their head? My question in return to that question was, well, when they come into your office, how do you know that somebody's not sitting out in the parking lot having held a gun to their head on their way in and their way out? You don't. So while there are certainly things that we cannot solve for, I think it can't be said enough that these pieces that you have baked into the process actually give us more certainty about who they are, where they are, and what their intention is than someone walking in the door to your office and walking in the closing room and commencing to sign. There's always going to be some sort of ability for, whether it be fraud, crime, however you want to call it across the board, but the entire goal is always to mitigate risk as much as possible and be able to cover yourself and to be able to make sure that the action the intent and the end result are as everybody had agreed to. You know, you mentioned earlier having buyers or sellers who weren't in the town, weren't in the area. And that always posed such a risk for us because we would back in the really old days, we would do a mail away. That's inherent risk and hope they get in front of the notary and hope the notary does everything right. And of course, they're not getting a presentation of the documents at that point. Or in the example you gave, hiring a physical remote notary to go to their house or to the Starbucks or wherever they were. And you never knew how the notary was presenting documents at all or not at all. Most notaries, I think, would say, well, I need you to sign here. Well, what is this document? I don't know. I'm just here to witness your signature. And so the the actual loss of control that would happen in those situations, the consumer was not getting a good explanation of their loan package, say if it was a borrower. And then the travel time, all those things that we used to feel secure with because it was the best way we had to deal with things, that trepidation that can form when trying to figure out a new process really starts to diminish when you understand the things baked into a good platform, good process like you guys have, how it, again, mitigates risk much further down than we've ever had to, frankly, take on in these sorts of scenarios before, pandemic or no. Another point that I wanted to get into, you say a mobile notary, you gave them a phone call, said, go to this address, watch them sign this thing. You don't know if they showed up on time. You don't know if they gave the right document. You don't know if they left three of them out because their printer jammed and they said, I don't really care, whatever. So you're giving up control. And so even in the remote online notary space, there's still the option for that because there's a difference between a platform, which is what Sinex is, and a service, which there's others out there in the marketplace. And there's a convenience factor in the same way there's a convenience factor to hiring a mobile notary. You make a phone call, it gets done, it costs more money, but it comes back and you didn't have to deal with it. But if your goal is security and controlling the process with your client, it's yours. Like you're, you're the one who's doing the process start to finish. You're doing the closing. You want to make sure that they're taken care of, that they have an understanding. Then you can utilize a platform like Sinex and become the remote online notary yourself and be able to handle that process with your client and make sure that they have a complete understanding of the documents they're signing. You've talked to them in the past. You know that that's the person you're looking at. You can answer any questions. And so if it's you doing it, then you have the ability to control the entire process and make sure that your client is completely 
completely well-serviced start to finish. Well, sure. And I was interested in hearing you talk about smoothing the way mechanically for folks in advance of their closing so that it gives an opportunity during the signing ceremony itself to put that service sizzle, to have that celebration aspect, even though people are remote, which consumers routinely say is important. And so if you're not wrestling with the mechanicals and the technical bits during that time, then you really are able to differentiate yourself as an agent with that consumer, with your realtors and attorney partners, with your lender, because they all obviously have a reputational risk standpoint anytime we do a closing on their behalf. And so when we're able to deliver that at a higher level without a borrower having to risk their life to come to our office, that starts to be meaningful. And I think as people have been forced to adopt this sort of posture and become comfortable with it, in their not real estate transaction related lives, it just naturally, I would think, dovetail into not only an expectation for it to be available in that space, but a higher degree of comfort with that. Are you finding that with your customers, clients as well? You have to dip your toe in the water with anything new. I mean, at one point you had to pay for everything in cash. I mean, when I was a kid, people you know paid with checks at the grocery store. I mean, it was just normal. You didn't know if they had money in the account. That was how business was done. When you look back on it and realize, you know, someone could have bought $600 worth of groceries on a check that they printed on a printer, things change. You become more comfortable with credit card machine. You become more comfortable with paying with Apple Pay on your phone and just clicking the thing. And so then once you kind of hit that tipping point of being comfortable with it, you hit the other side of the bell curve, which becomes an expectation. Wait, why, why do I have to come in? I signed everything else online. Why do I have to come in and do this? I've done everything else this way. So once you hit that adoption tipping point, it stops becoming, I feel accepting of this. And then it becomes, wait, why can't I do it this way? And ironically, again, back to me sitting at the head of the closing table for all those years, there were so many borrowers who, if I could have gotten their documents to them ahead of time for review, maybe not signing, maybe signing, but give them an opportunity to review and ask questions. I'll tell you the two worst types, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but when we saw on the 1003 loan app that their occupation was engineer, we went, oh no, because we knew it was going to be a three-hour closing instead of one hour. The worst closing I ever had was a borrower who worked for the Internal Revenue Service who questioned everything. It literally took all day. And I knew that they were just cautious, concerned folks by nature. And if they would have been able to review those the night before, the morning of, in their own home, then they could have come in and they would have had their questions answered and we could have had a better closing experience for them. So I think there are still ways to incorporate this that are beneficial for the borrower and mean a smoother process inside the title and closing shop. I think it's something important to everybody. I mean, if you have questions and you're doing one of the largest purchases of your lifetime, it would be pretty haphazard to go in and just flip through sign and say, I bet everything's cool. Let's go for it. You're going to obviously want to have that option. There's so many different ways you can go about that with both the remote online notary side and just a standard digital signature that we also provide. So it's also important to note that you know, we provide the ROM platform. Form, but Sinex also just does regular digital signatures for disclosures or whatever else it might be that you have to have. And so it doesn't have to be you know, a signature. You can send them those documents to review, have them initial the bottom or have them say that they acknowledge and accept them, that they've read them 
that they've looked at them and present them the opportunity in a controlled atmosphere. Those documents are going to be secure within the login so that they're not just floating about. They have the ability to look at them prior to closing, make notes of their questions. You can allow them text fields to write in questions that they send back. So you can leverage this in a multitude of ways, even if you still want to do the in-person side of things, you can still leverage the digital signature aspect to present documents in a secure fashion so that those sort of long roundtable discussions are kind of curtailed a bit. At the end of the day, what you want for your borrower is to make sure that they feel comfortable, happy, and excited about this massive decision that they've made and that they feel comfortable with it and you're there to walk them through that process. So we have a new administration in place in Washington. Even being able to do some pre-signing was of great interest to the CFPB back when they first started. Then obviously the Trump administration CFPB took a little different tack. And I think we'll see some trends back with regard to the CFPB. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if we didn't see some renewed emphasis from them on the WAC, the STAC initiative, so that some of the more boilerplate loan docs would be pre-signed. And then maybe for the closing, the borrowers coming in and signing, you know, the closing disclosure form, the note, the mortgage. I don't know, have you seen many hybrid transactions like that? Or do you think there'll be a trend towards or away from that? What are your thoughts? We've seen a decent amount of hybrid in one way or another. And a lot of that has to do with the emergency declarations, proclamations, uh, emergency laws, whatever they may be, do allow for RAN, so remote ink notarization, where the full credential analysis, but the notary witnesses, the signer signing the document via the camera then it's mailed and done that way. So there's hybrids in that capacity as far as you know, the acceptance of them and the pre-signing and that sort of stuff. We've seen it across the board, but you can see kind of how things are trending. The federal bill that was put on the floor in March of 2020 got put in the judiciary and has been stalled for one reason or another. It's just to put in general guidelines. We have not gotten a reason specifically as to the reason for the stall. We hear different things from different people, but at the state level, it's gone through pretty well well with a lot of push from both the NBA and Alta, very solid joint effort with you know helping each state kind of model their bills. One of the big recent ones, obviously Colorado has gone into effect and they kind of had a big piece within their legislation about data retention, which is something that's going to be part of the federal law now when they go forward as far as what data a vendor is allowed to keep, what they are allowed to do, which is important when it comes to kind of what we started this entire conversation off talking about was digital versus electronic and that the document that you have is the original. You're not required to the vendor keep a copy when conversely a electronic signature, the vendor maintains the original copy on their servers in perpetuity. So it was basically the idea of an independent document versus a dependent document was when it comes to those data retention laws, it gets into a gray area uh, from a legal perspective for the potential new laws that would come into effect. But it also, from just an end user perspective, you don't get a very good idea for the original document to be kept on somebody else's server outside of it. With each document you sign, you make your digital footprint larger and the whole goal would be to curtail that as much as possible. And data security is already such an issue for agents with the things that are not new practices and processes for them. Certainly the monetization of data is a very hot topic in the title and settlement space right now. So those safeguards, again, are so important. Um, And it's not just about having a video of FaceTime on your employee's cell phone and calling that uh, an acceptable closing. 
I just see such an opportunity for agents here to meet the market where it's at and really surprise and delight some of these consumers who seem to really at this point want a hybrid or multi-pronged approach to their closing. So it's about thinking outside that box. It's about seeing just beyond the necessity and how can this be turned into a scenario that really excites the customers about the service that we're providing for them. You can come in person. You can just sign an inspection report. You can do the whole closing portion remotely if that's what they want. It's, it's giving you the tools in your utility belt to perform it in the way that best fits what your client is asking for. And in some instances, it's what they prefer. In some instances, it's what's absolutely required. It also provides you the ability to do things faster than you normally would because if you have you know, a client who wants to get something done immediately, but you only have an hour that day, which means you can't block off the time to get the closing room settled or you drive out to meet them or whatever it may be. It gives you flexibility to meet every one of the needs that your client and the circumstances dictate. Well, and you could still make a, a virtual closing room special, right? Maybe with some of the extra time you have by virtue of doing the signing digitally. Purchasing a home, purchasing property, whatever it may be, is an inherently special time regardless. And you being able, as the you know the closing agent, to be able to be the one there with them in that process, you were there at the start. And as opposed to sending it off to someone else, you get to be there, you can usher and be the custodian of that entire process and choose to make it special however you deem fit because they're your clients and it should be your decision as to how this entire relationship is managed. You get to be there to be the one to congratulate them, make it special, walk them through it, answer their questions, make them feel comfortable. And that's hugely important role from the title side to be able to say, you know, we're here for everything you need and we're so happy to be a part of this and whatever it may be that you would like to do to make that special, you can do. Do you recommend an agent who's getting ready to dip their toe in this if they haven't yet ask their underwriter about obtaining closing protection letters, insured closing letters? Has there been any issue on that front that you're aware of? I would always say if you're going to go down the road of choosing a remote online notary provider, whether it be in talking to the RON provider or to your underwriter to make sure that they they are approved because we've had to go through the process with all of the underwriters that we work with to be on their approved list. Almost all of them have a list somewhere on their website. And certainly you can call and say, hey, I'm about to choose to go with Sinex. And they'll say, yes, absolutely. And that also goes for a lot of states. There's a lot of states that have approved vendor lists. There's a lot of states that don't. The states that do have approved vendor lists, it's important to make sure that you look through that list to make sure that who you're choosing to go with is on that list, because otherwise it's a moot point from the beginning. Well, in any time, obviously, somebody's making a fairly significant change in their process methodologies. We always recommend that they touch base with their E&O carrier too, to make sure that they're not inadvertently leaving something important out from that. Absolutely. Some states require that a bond be raised a little bit, then you know your insurance be raised a little bit if you have that. When you sign up with Sinex, and this is if you're an individual notary who's just trying to get more business or you're a title company with branches in 20 states. When you sign up as that notary, you get signed up into an account that is specific to your state. Oh, that's great because nobody, but nobody has time right now who's in title and settlement production to try to keep up with the nuance of even one state, let alone multiple states. So the fact that you guys chart that out and make that as easy to understand as possible and proactive in your notification, that's just awesome. Is there anything else on this topic that we need to discuss today that we haven't yet? 
I think that it's really important to know that when you go through all the trouble to maintain, whether it be your, your client relationship, your overall business reputation and everything is that when you decide to give up control of that, you need to make sure that you're doing enough research on it or that you maintain control of it. And when you do that, that you know what you're doing as far as being able to properly perform the function. So if you go with a ROM provider as a platform for you to do it yourself. I think that really can't stress how important that going through training is asking questions. We want to be there to make sure that we help so that you can utilize the platform to help your clients. We want to make sure that you can utilize the platform to help out in whatever way that you see fit, whether it be a hybrid, whether it be totality, whether it be just to get through the pandemic to close business. It's however you'd like it to be, but make sure that you ask your questions and that you get trained so that you can use it proficiently so that your client's experience is incredibly smooth. Yes, that's great advice. You would never send a closer into a physical closing room without a lot of training and a lot of even dress rehearsals and making sure they knew how to anticipate the questions were going to be asked. And I would say that's not only true in this space, but also just because someone knows how to do an in-person closing does not mean they understand the ins and outs of handling a digital closing. So glad that you guys provide that as a resource for everyone. That's great. I hope that you were able to gain some good insight from Jeb's thoughts and his experience in this new space, which can feel at times like the wild, wild west a little bit. Two things I know for sure. First, the demand for and acceptance of electronic closings is here to stay and will continue to increase. And second, as is true with many things, we don't have time to become an expert in everything, but it sure helps to know who to call. Charting the path of just the regulatory aspect of e-closings and keeping up with those changes could be a full-time job. The good news is that there are plenty of professionals whose full-time job it is. So start building a new category in your Rolodex, dip a toe in. It's not an all or nothing proposition. We all have time to evolve together. If you'd like to include Jeb in that Rolodex, he welcomes emails to his address of jhart, and that's H-A-R-T, at Sinex, S-I-G-N-I-X dot com. Until next time, keep the trains running on time, continue to hold up the sky, go out of your way to make today a little bit special for someone, and always remember, what you do really does matter.